Well, to follow Pastor Rhonda's prophetic encouragement uh, of, holding, of God holding on to us, then what I want to do today is to continue to kind of put a bow on our, really you have a devotional together. Put a bow on our time together where we have been looking about trusting Scripture uh, in order for you and I to increase our resiliency in a time that is filled with conflict. Um, we've looked at various ways to develop trust in the Bible, that together we know that the Bible is two testaments. It is 66 books. It is 1,189 chapters. It is 31,202 verses. 76% of it was written before Jesus, 29% after Jesus. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, and it was all written for one reason alone, so that you might know who God is, that you might know that God is holding on to you, but there is a choice of you and I holding on to God or holding on to other things. And often as humans, we want to both hold on to God and hold on to other things. And this becomes intensely problematic. In the Old Testament, it's called idolatry. In the new church, in the 2020s, we just call it doing life. The heart of it is that you and I must choose whom we're going to hold on to. The Bible is a book about God. It's a book about his way for us to flourish in his created world. It is a book that talks about the core issue of humanity is fallenness, it's sin, it's God working in the mess that we create when we let go of him and grab hold of things that only he can give, but we want them our own way on our own terms. It's called fallenness, it's called sin. And because the world is filled with fallenness and sin, it required a singular hero and none of us are perfect. None of us are good enough. And there was only one. And his name was Jesus, our singular hero who lived a sinless life and finished the atoning work for humanity so that we can fully be reconciled to God and then live in progressive God-authored freedom. And finally, in large and in small ways, the author of the Bible uses each work, each word, excuse me, of the Bible to shape then our beliefs, our affections, and ultimately our actions for us to look less like our fallen nature in the world and more like Jesus day by day, week by week, water baptism by water baptism. In small steps and transformational steps, you and I become to look more like Christ. And while the Bible contains many stories, it holds a singular gospel, one. Good news encompassing all of our stories. My favorite articulation of the gospel is from John Tyson, and it reads like this. That the gospel is the good news that God our Father, the Creator, out of His great love, everyone say great love. Out of His great love for us has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, death, and hell, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf and to establish God's kingdom, his kingdom through his people in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of this is for God's great glory and it is for our profound joy. One thing that is true about all of our lives is that there is much that is different about our lives. I've not lived what I, I have not lived, what you have lived. My family was not your family. So while there is much that is different about each of our lives there, and there can even be profound differences within our lives, how many of you know that some experience a less fair way of life? 
It's just honest and it's just true. While there is much that is different, every follower of Jesus, every at least honest follower of Jesus I know has an identical dream and a singular desire. And to see the identical dream and singular desire actually come to be, it is not questionable on does God have hold of you? No, but do you have hold of God? This is key. At the end of our lives, the identical dream of each honest Christ follower is to hear Jesus say one thing. Not that you got everything right, but one thing. Matthew 25 verses 23 articulates the singular desire of Christ's followers that his master will say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. From Jesus' perspective, we are all serving someone. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And as we live our very, very different lives, though, every Christ follower has a singular desire, and it's to discover how does my life make a Jesus-sized difference on earth in large ways and in small ways. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, in the Bible says that we are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. I don't care what other word has been spoken over you. You are God's workmanship, and if you are God's workmanship, you are of ultimate value. Every life, every life has extreme value because each one of us are his handiwork. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, everybody say should, that we should walk in them. Not that we always will, but that we should. But notice again, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus that the issue is not God. It's not that God has not holding us or God hasn't created these things. It's that you and I should walk in them. So for the past five weeks, we have been attempting to inspire maybe a beginning, an increased or a rooted confidence in God's word for a specific purpose. And the purpose is this. Each word in the Bible leads us to being lifelong followers of Jesus. There is a deceptive dichotomy preached in the world today, which is I can both disregard God's word and still be a follower of Jesus. This is a lie. God's word and the ways of Jesus are congruent. There is no incongruency between those two things. The word of God and the way of Jesus are inseparable, equipping us for every good work where one day, if we walk, even though we walk imperfectly in them, we will hear from Jesus one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me close here with this devotional. We all trust in something. If I took you back to the time of David, David, if you're new to church, is an Old Testament person that we can look at his life. My, my personal favorite articulation of trust is found in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. David says this, and I want you to pay attention to the contrast. In Psalm 20, verse 7, in his generation, David said these words. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But I trust, but I trust, contrast, in the name of the Lord. 
paraphrase. What do chariots and what do horses have in common? This isn't rocket science. They both take us from where we are to where we desire to be. And so David, using poetic language in his time, simply says this. In order to understand where I am to where I desire to be, which is fully in God, some people trust in created things like horses and chariots. Not me. I trust in the name of the Lord. And so the question for you to reflect on is what is your contrasted trust? What is your chariot and what is your horse? What are you trusting to lead you to a different life, a better life? Is it God or is it something other? Another favorite Old Testament Bible character of mine named Joshua said these words. You, you do you. I'm paraphrasing. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Me and this heart, I trust the author of the book of the Bible to use every word in the Bible to make me more like the hero of the Bible. And you know what now we turn our hearts and affection towards? It's Christmas. It's Advent. Advent starts today and Christmas, a life center starts next week where we're gonna look at the central theme that God is with us. But I invite you just to open your heart as we continue to worship and ask yourself, when it comes to my life, on earth and eternally. What am I trusting in? Is it horses and chariots? Though you may not say that, it may be different words. What are you trusting in? And may it be, and may the Holy Spirit open your heart that you put your trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen.